You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on Wurundjeri and Bunurong country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Iris Lee. Tamil people are overrepresented as refugees seeking safety from violence at home in Sri Lanka. Tamils also face border violence from the Australian government. This week, we shed light on the Tamil struggle for freedom and the struggle to free refugees in Australia locked up in Australian detention centres. First, we hear from Renuga Impakuma, a spokesperson with the Tamil Refugee Council. Second, we hear from speeches given at pro-refugee rallies at the Refugee Detention Centre or the Park Prison in Melbourne, including a speech by Lavanya Favaraja, also a member of the Tamil Refugee Council, Amanda Threefall, Assistant Secretary of the Victorian Trades Hall Council and Federal Senator for the Greens, Lydia Thorpe. First, we hear from Renuga introducing herself. Yep, so um, since I was 12, I've been advocating for refugees and trying to draw awareness to the Tamil genocide that has been occurring in Sri Lanka since 1948 and um, growing in the Elam Tamil household I understood that the ongoing trauma has been occurring over generations um, and it is important to hold Australia accountable um, for aiding Sri Lanka that the genocide of what has occurred. So I've been just constantly trying to do activism with every opportunity I've been given such as going to the UN and talking about two refugees that have been indefinitely detained um, and writing letters to the Prime Minister and Immigration Minister detaining a man who was in detention for over 12 years. Um, So I've been just trying to draw awareness and trying to um, meet other refugees and understand what they are going through. Thanks for that. Very active of all that in your life so far. Uh, Could we first start off listeners who may not be heaps aware about these things on what are the origins of anti-Tamil oppression and what role did colonialism play? So in Sri Lanka, the Independence Day um, was in 1948 um, and the acts genocide had been enacted by, you know, Singhalese-led Sri Lankan government through legal means, which have um, enabled and facilitated discrimination against Tamils. So a prime example of this was the passing of the Singhala-only act which made um, Singular the country's official language. And this ultimately effectively denied the Tamil people of their own language, identity and place in Sri Lanka. And there are examples of the Sri Lankan government continuing to commit genocidal acts, which is evident as their aim is to permanently eliminate Tamil culture. Um, And this was actually seen in the destruction of the Jaffna Public Library in 1981, which was an institution Um, that held rare collections of around like 95,000 works. Um, And this was deliberately burnt to ashes by the Sri Lankan army and Singhalese mobs in an act of aggression towards 
you know, the Tamil language, culture and identity. And in my opinion, this is nothing um, different to the infamous Crystal Night of Germany, where actually the Nazis burned the Jewish books in university. So basically since 1948, the Elam Tamils have been facing oppression and it's just ongoing every single day. Yes, I see. Thanks for that. Could you talk a bit more, more about what you might say colonialism plays in those origins? I would say colonialism plays in the fact that the Tom people were given their own land and were given their own way of living. But uh, when the colonial people had left, it kind of left in a doubt of who, where the land, who owns the land. And this had created an act of, you know, just aggression towards from the Sri Lankan state and who held power. And then this just gave an opportunity from 1948 of the Sri Lankan government having uh, discriminatory actions towards the Tamil people. Thanks for that. So now sort of going to more to the present um, around the relationship between the Australian and Sri Lankan governments. What is their relationship, including militarily, and how have they tried to cover up war crimes and genocide against Tamils? Um, the relationship between the Australian and Sri Lankan governments are very close in the fact that the Australian government has aided the Sri Lankan government through various means. So this year, the Australian government gave um, Sri Lanka's police force five aerial surveillance drones. Um, and these drones were actually previously owned by the Operation Sovereign Borders Joint Agency Task Force, which is actually a part of Australia's military-led border security operation. And their responsibility is, um, quote, deter and disrupt asylum seekers to reach Australia. Um, and these aims of this drones was to support the crime fighting activities. But we all know that these drones are used to stop asylum seekers for um, coming to Australia, which is um, honestly just um, like it's horrendous to see that this is what's occurring. And even in um, 2009, Brendan O'Connor, the Australian Minister for Home Affairs, met with the Sri Lankan Defence Secretary, Gautabaya Rajapaksa, who's now president. And he promised that the Australian Federal Police would provide training, logistical aid, which um, is now being used against the Tamil people in Sri Lanka. And actually, if you look at, there was a PT, P2P march this year. And um, the Sri Lankan um, state is good at providing fear amongst the Tamil people, which was seen when the security minister had stated to the protesters that they have their photos, they have their vehicle numbers, and they'll just put them in prison if they continue to, you know, speak up of the discrimination that they face. Um, so the Australian government just continuously like to believe that, well, actually like to tell the Australian society that Sri Lanka is safe when it is not, because um, there's been a report from the International Truth Justice Project clearly stating that the Counterterrorism Investigation Division rape uh, men and women and there have been lots of accounts of this. And the Australian government and Sri Lankan government work well together in trying to hide the truth. Yeah, it's very concerning that. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was... Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> The Sri Lankan government that's in power now is the same regime that was, that's that's been responsible for the ongoing genocide that particularly escalated a bit over a decade ago. 
Yes, so um, he's in power. And if you look at those who are in power um, now under him, it's got Shavendra Silva who, you know, he's all these people that are in power were manipulated and did all these things towards the Tamil people, like rape them, burn them, um, and just kill a amount of people, put them in prison, have there's, you know, all these disappeared people. So everyone that is in power now was was able to do all these extreme acts in 2009, yet all these international states or nations around them have not spoken up. And it's revolting to see that, you know, no one is seeing, no one is speaking up, even though we have lots of witnesses in Australia who are refugees are speaking up, but yet no one is listening to them. Mm, yeah, thanks for that. In recent years, what resistance has there been to the Sri Lankan government and its supporters? There have been, I would say, lots of resistance, such as, you know, protests have been occurring all over the world and in Australia, like we've, um, TRC have protests such as Do Not Deport to Danger. The TRC is the Tamil Refugee Council. Um, May 16th, we had a protest to commemorate May 18th of the genocide. And even now, we've got Tamil youth around the world um, posting on Facebook and Instagram trying to draw awareness. Um, But Facebook and Instagram have done this thing where they will report content and try to take it down. But yet, you know, you've got people still speaking up about it, which is really good. And even in Sri Lanka, Elam Tamils are doing commemoration events because they don't want to forget the past. And if you do forget the past, then you've just accepted about what has happened. And we want to continue that legacy, which is what the diaspora has done. You know, we're still carrying on the legacy of trying to draw awareness and teach the younger generation after us who we are as a community um, and that we need to continue trying to fight for state sovereignty and getting our own state. Awesome. Thanks for that. Would you like to talk some more about campaigns you're involved in to free refugees locked up in Australia, including on the precarious like visa regime to ma- to in mandatory detention and towards stopping deportations and border violence? So I guess, like I said before, since I was 12, um, I've been trying to campaign for refugees and, and a specific individual was a man, Rajan, who's, um, who was in detention until this year and he was in detention for 12 years. He was diagnosed with leukemia two years ago. Um, and so this actually led me to going to the UN, um, speaking on the 43rd session of human rights and meeting individuals such as um, Gillian Triggs, the Minister of Torture. And fortunately enough, he has been released, I think, two weeks ago, which is exciting. Um, but yet he's only been provided the visa, which is the re- residency determination visa, which is not um, good enough because we wanted him to get permanent protection. Um, but we are still fighting for that. And you know, within TRC, we've been doing protests, um, the Do Not Deport to Danger campaign, being heavily involved in Home to Billow campaign, and we're planning to do a protest next year on February 5th um, to mark that our Tamils did not get independence. Um, and this was like from 1948, we've been fighting to, you know, stop the genocide that is occurring in Sri Lanka. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that. So, sort of building on some of your answers, what does solidarity look like across movements, including internationally and with First Nations peoples? I think with First Nations people, 
the Elam Tamils definitely understand what they are going through. You know, we see the deaths in custody. We see how they have not been given proper reconciliation. And it's just, it's obviously we understand what the pain that they are going through because we are experiencing the exact same pain. So we want to understand their stories. We've been trying to attend their protests. Um, and we want to be able to connect to their stories, but also educate the younger generation. Because, you know, when I was in school, we didn't properly get educated on what was actually happening within the system of Australia. So I think it is a huge downfall in our education system that the younger generation do not get taught. So I think solidarity is not just going to these protests, but actually properly understanding, sitting down with these individuals, hearing what they have to say, and then passing it down to the younger generation to carry on fighting for justice. Mm, Yeah, that is really crucial. Yeah, the education system is deliberately silencing all of the genocidal history in Australia and present. Def- definitely, yes. So where to hear from for you in, in your work? So we are going to keep going till we have all refugees released from indefinite detention, but not only that, provide them permanent protection. And we also want to ensure that the Sri Lankan state is held accountable for the genocidal acts against the Elam Tamils. And all nations are held accountable for their complicit behaviour of what occurred in 2009, but also what is occurring even today. Awesome. Thanks for that. Would you like to give any further shout outs to any groups and websites that listeners can read, follow or support? I think just hop on the TRC website or even the TRC um, Facebook and you can message to become involved and come to our monthly meetings and be involved in our organizing meetings for any upcoming protests or rallies. Thanks so much for joining me on Women Online, Renuka. Thank you. You are listening to Renuka Infokuma, a spokesperson with the Tamil Refugee Council, which we will provide a link to in the show notes. Across these stolen lands now called Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We continue with our focus on Tamil freedom, now onto refugee freedom more generally, and solidarity too, with speeches after stay-at-home restrictions ended this year in so-called Melbourne at pro-refugee rallies. The Park Hotel, or more appropriately the Park Prison, in the heart of Melbourne has been a flashpoint for protest since mid-December 2020, as the government made it a place of refugee detention to replace another hotel used for the same purpose, the Mantra Hotel in Preston. We hear from Tamil Refugee Council member Lavanya Thavaraj's speech at a pro-refugee rally in October. At a time, advocates and refugees inside's worst fears around their high COVID infection risk in a cramped indoor facility was realised. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land, their elders, past, present and emerging. This land was stolen and never ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you everyone for coming today. Yes, I know 
How can we stay at home when we know these refugees with serious health issues are being exposed to this deadly virus? They were locked up for years on Manus, brought here for medical treatment, and now being exposed to COVID. How can we allow our government to abandon these people in the middle of the city? We must find a way to set them free. It is totally unacceptable that we stand by and watch our government destroy these people's life. It's totally unacceptable that the Labour Party politicians who will not question the government over this. Their silence is destroying their lives. It is totally unacceptable that Daniel Andrews is maintaining silence over this. Yes, they will not do anything because cruelty towards refugee is bipartisan. It is time for people to realize that we have no allies among the major parties. We must look beyond, then build a popular movement for refugees by bringing people together who genuinely care for refugees. In January, we managed to free some of these men through our solidarity. We forced this government to free them despite Dutton's statement that he will never allow them set food in Australia. Current Home Affairs Ministers Karen Andrews and Scott Morrison no longer have any valid reason to keep these men locked up. They want to destroy this man's life because they simply hate working people. Ongoing detention of these people does not have any real meaning. These men are abandoned by politicians who do not care about their lives or feelings of their supporters. According to one of the refugees inside, the first three refugees to be infected developed symptoms at night. However, because the hotel is not staffed by nurse overnight, the refugees spoke to the security guards who made them wait until next day before being tested. In the community, test results usually available within 24 hours. These refugees in the Park Hotel waited for four days before they received positive test results. Many of these detainees in the Park Hotel suffer from underlying medical conditions that place them great at risk for COVID. But our government denying to treat them with dignity. Instead, it is treating them as criminals in front of our eyes and in middle of the city. Then they use, us to use them to promote racism, paint them as criminals, allow them to be exploited in workplaces, deny them any welfare support, and force them to do unsafe jobs. Does this man, does, does this man have any choice at all? Every day inside this park hotel is hell for them. These refugees deserve a future where they don't have to live in the fear of deportation. They have to live normal life like us. They shouldn't have to keep applying for new protection visa every year. They deserve family reunion. There are thousands of refugees in the community who are condemned to such life indefinitely. Australian refugee policies, while destroying people in detention, it is also slowly destroying the lives of people in the community who are living in the open prison. This movement needs to rapidly grow so that we don't have, we don't lose people, we don't lose our loved ones. 
we must draw inspiration from recent victories, such as solidarity we saw in Glasgow, where two men's deportation were stopped. As working people, we must never forget that brutalization of migrants and refugees is intimately connected to our daily struggle with capitalist system, which constantly produce violence, oppression, nationalism, and racism. We should unite, refuse to accept this un unequal treatment of refugees, and show what real worker solidarity is. No one is free until everyone is free. Thank you. Women on the line. You are listening to Town Refugee Council member Lavanya Thavaraj's speech at an October pro-refugee protest. Thanks to Women on the Line's Ayan Shoa for the recording of the speech. The union movement has also been showing solidarity with the pro-refugee movement. We hear an excerpt from Amanda Threffold, Assistant Secretary of Victorian Trades Hall Council, speaking. When one refugee began to experience symptoms, they did what we have all been told to do for the last two years. They requested a COVID-19 test, but instead they were offered pain relief medication. There have been more and more delays since then. We know these hotels are high risk settings. We know these hotels are completely inappropriate. And after the last two years, we know how to respond to COVID-19 outbreaks. The correct response, the only moral response is to right now, in this instant, have the refugees with COVID-19 assessed by doctors and transferred to appropriate facilities. Those who don't those who don't yet have COVID-19 should be evacuated. But we all know why that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened because Scott Morrison doesn't care. This COVID-19 outbreak is, co is Scott Morrison's responsibility. It is not too late to act to evacuate the refugees and to provide them with quality health care, not detention. The failure to act now is unimaginable cruelty. It is a deliberate choice to risk these people's lives, to say, I don't care, but we care. It's that care, that respect, that unbreakable solidarity that brings us here today. Struggling against injustice is what the union movement stands for. The people in this hotel are part of our movement. They stand together to fight for their lives and we proudly stand with them. We take inspiration and leadership from their courage and resilience. We will keep fighting for refugees, not just for the people in this hotel, but for all refugees to make sure they can build their lives here. The Victorian Union movement will continue standing by your side, fighting alongside you. Thank you. That was Assistant Secretary of Victorian Trades Hall Council, Amanda Threffel, speaking at an October pro-refugee rally. Federal Green Senator for Victoria, Lydia Thorpe, offered solidarity with the refugee struggle as a First Nations woman. Refugees are welcome here. They have been invited by the traditional owners of this country. This country is occupied illegally by the colonisers who continue to oppress 
Aboriginal people and people who we welcome here, like our asylum seekers and our refugee brothers and sisters, who they continue to torture in this country. This government are a bunch of racist criminals. And we demand freedom for those seeking freedom and safety in this country. We will continue to fight every day in the parliament and on the streets and we are creating a movement that this country has never seen before. We can't give up the fight and we must continue to support our brothers and sisters and get them out of that prison. I will see you all soon. Please maintain the resistance and the fight to keep our brothers and sisters safe and alive. Thank you. You just heard from Federal Green Senator for Victoria, Lydia Thorpe. And that's all for this Women on the Line show on the struggle and solidarity for Tamil and refugee freedom. The song you heard at a beginning interlude and up next is from British and Tamil musician, MIA, and it's called Borders. Freedom, item, meet him, where's your freedom? This one needs a brand new freedom. Weed and the key, weed and the key them to life. Let's beat them. Weed them smartphones, don't beat them. is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded at www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. We'd love to hear your comments or thoughts about the program, so please send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 9419 You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And make sure to subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting app. I'm Iris Lee, tune in to Women on the Line next week on your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast. 
produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.